You're listening to the best of the TomBernardShow.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> well, I'd like to know if I was married to a horror piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My. Special stripe. That was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. This is why I drink. We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are, and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice, and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all their rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding uh, so they can help themselves and their families as best they can. And the number is? Is 800 or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured, Brad, Sean Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had headliner Chet Daniels in studio. Next on the Best of... If your head, oh, good. if your head doesn't bob and shake to that song, you're dead. I, I have a question for Cassie. Are you doing this to torment me? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Chad, I just told the story a few weeks ago. I got a call. This is you know when Devo first broke, which was God forty some forty years ago or more. It's a long time ago. So. I'm on the road working for Capitol Records, so it was probably late 70s or very early 80s, before I met your mother, Andy. Mm-hmm. So I'm in Chicago working for Capitol Records, and I'm calling all of these different stations, and I get a call from this woman said, hey, there's a new band in town there at the Walker Arts Center tonight. They're called, they're the name Devo, and I said, Devo? He goes, yeah, Devo. You want to go see Devo? I said, yeah, I'm out of town. I'm in Chicago, but I'm coming in tonight, so I'll just meet you over at the Walker Arts Center, and we'll go to the show. I didn't know about this because even though I was in the record business, I didn't know anything about Devo. I showed up as the only douchebag in history that ever wore a suit and a tie to a Devo concert. (laughs) Oh, my God. People are pointing me like, what's that guy's problem? Doesn't he get it? I'm sorry. Sorry, I didn't know, man. I had no... De-evolution. I had no idea. But... uh, Yeah, so Cassie torments me with that. I do love that song, though. I I really like Devo. 
When that song started, JB was moving in his chair, dancing to the rhythm, and he had his headphones mm-hmm. on, but I didn't at the time. <laughs> and so, so the chair is going, and it's creaking, and I thought he was doing it to make that noise. <laughs> then I put my headphones he on and realized, oh, he's right with the rhythm. This is what he's dancing to. And he had no idea the chair was squeaking like yeah, a hotel room above it's you. It's your chair, Tom, and it's pretty loose. Why is it loose? I have no idea. Because you keep dancing in it, JB. <laughs> mm. Nobody really Who the hell has been sitting in my chair? <laughs> barely like, anyone. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> barely anyone? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Dave barely Dave. anyone. Dave did like all week so, last week. How's Dave doing? He's doing good. He's doing good. good. He's at home with all the kids. and. Um, had a brain transplant. People don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> He was so tired last night, but yeah, he he was hungry afterwards. He's like, I need to eat, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll give you some food. But yeah, <laughs> it all works out. There were a couple phrases during that story mm-hmm. that I've got. all the kids. Yes, between my husband and I, we have eleven children. Oh my God, that is all the kids. Yeah, <laughs> luckily some are adults all the kids. and live on their own. But we have between mm-hmm. we have seven school age kids in the house right now. Man. That is amazing. From 16 down to 7. Doesn't it just make you kind of like freak out when you hear her tell mm-hmm. that story? Yeah, my heart's beating faster than I <laughs> And also, you, how do you have adult kids? Well, my husband's kids, they... Is he significantly older than you? Uh, about 14 years. Okay. It's not that much, but... Uh, yeah, a lot of people tell you that. He started young. He started young, <laughs> becoming yeah. a dad, but... Uh, yeah, I have three boys of my own. My oldest boy is almost okay. 15. and uh, So you brought three kids into this, and you have 11 kids? Total, yep. No. Seems and she has grandkids, too. Seems three grandkids. <laughs> I have three grandkids. How old are you? I am 37. Yeah, this is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely killing me. <laughs> There you go. I told my son, who's yeah. 19, I go, I won't be a grandpa until I'm 46 years old, and that gives me two years, and he, I won't. So I might miss, I might miss I the understand. first year of my grandkid's life. No. Because I'm not that will be fine. Why 46? You're how old? Why 46? Uh, I just think like that's, that's the time where I'll have um, two years will give me enough room to do what I want to do. And then I can have enough time to, to be the grandpa I would like to be. Uh, oh, okay. Yes. I'm, you are going to love it, man. You are going to love being the <laughs> grandfather. I'm 50, you are. I'm 56. I have none. You're 56? Yeah. What is going on in here? <laughs> <laughs> it's like my youth has been sucked out of my body by these two assholes to the right. <laughs> you look way younger than 37. 50s. I would, can't even register 40s, you jackass. <laughs> I'm, I'm 44. I look like I'm 57 years old, for Christ's sake. No, you don't look that. No, yes, stop. I'm not asking for compliments. I have a mirror. You don't have enough gray yet. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> and actually, I'll be 57 in May. Oh, yeah, that's not helping. But, but my son is nowhere near ready to be a dad, so... And my daughter no. better not be a mother anytime Because <laughs> she's only 18. Yeah. So, yeah, you got a little. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why another reason why I work out and try to stay in shape because at some point I would like to see my grandchildren. Sure, but the chances yeah, are getting less and less. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you look young as heck, man. Um, <laughs> I'm just still. Everybody just pauses. Well, I'm like just that. still baffled. 
that you think 14 years isn't a significant age gap. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought, thought it was, too. Well, there is that. <laughs> no, That's true. I don't. I, I'm an old soul, so I, I relate to the generation prior to me. That's fair. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But I need you to know. You <laughs> When your husband yeah. was thinking about being a freshman in high school, mm-hmm. your parents were thinking about having sex. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> to make you. I know. Uh, Cassie, I do have to tell you, you just said something you're going to regret saying. What? You said you were an old soul. When R. Kelly was asked about his 14-year-old bride, he said, well, she's an old soul. Oh, Way my to go. God. With R. You know what? That's actually in the How to Be a Creep oh. handbook. <laughs> you tell it. Yeah, you're an old soul. Wow. I can't. Can't believe we're getting along, so it must be your old soulness. She's an old soul, and I'm a young soul. Now so down it's... to the basement with the rest of them. Well, it's, yeah. it's such an odd story because at my new job, I work with some younger African Americans, and they all think he's being framed. And mm. then who? R. Kelly? Yes. And then no, I, he's not. I know. No, but then not. when I talk to people my age, no matter the race, they all go. Why did this take so long? Yeah, I no know, kidding. right? Did they CGI in the urine? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> to the video? I mean, well, young kids, all they ever see is Twitter, where all the craziest yeah, right. people right, right. are constantly feeding them the worst opinions, and they don't know any better, because to them, it's like, it's on the internet, it's equally valid. That's true. I'd like to well, take a step back here, just quickly. And sure. I would like to uh, tell t- t- Cassie... I, I believe that if you're in love with someone, then you're in love with them. The mm-hmm. Age doesn't matter. Yeah. Unless it's like, you have to be legal, though. Yeah. And you're obviously legal. Yeah, yeah. that would be good. Even though you good. look a lot younger than 37. I know. And that <laughs> makes me furious. We we get we get the, oh, is this your daughter? Constantly. Are you, oh. oh. That's yeah. got to be a fun one. Yeah, I get that. That's I get that, too. I do. I get that. Oh, what I what you I do. Into, yeah, I just lean. I go, oh yeah, and then I French kiss him right in front of him. <laughs> I was say, God, what a funny God. line for your husband to be like. I hope not, because I'm fucking her. <laughs> oh, am I kind of gonna say that? No, no, no. no you're we fine. can no, edit no, it out. No, no, no. oh, okay, cool. Oh, I didn't know. No Sorry about that. <laughs> no, this is actually on the uh, radio station. Everybody stations. just wrote down the time on the clock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we gotta take that out. All right, I didn't know. By I'm the sorry way. I should mention this, Chad Daniels, that we have a huge podcast listening audience in Fergus Falls. Interesting. We do. Lots of people in Fergus Falls. Well, we're on a Brainerd radio station. We're on in Duluth. We're on in uh, St. Cloud. We're on radio stations. That's why we you can't swear anymore. Uh-huh. But when you swear, we just edit it out. It's delayed. It's a delayed broadcast, so you can swear all you want. And then sure. Cassie, she'll look like she's about 85 by the time she's done editing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this hour is going to age her about three years. But... <laughs> it probably is. Who was supposed exactly. to tell me I couldn't swear? The receptionist? We just oh, don't oh, oh, what a nightmare she was. <laughs> we just don't even bother anymore. We're just like, whatever, no. they'll swear. We'll deal with it. Yeah, we'll just edit it out. And everything. I would have sat outside fun. in that lobby <laughs> till showtime tonight. If I, I would have come and got you. Oh, you that's my job. Oh, I thought it was on Friday. Well, that's my then. That's my fault. I'm picking on her for no reason. <laughs> JB, JB has made himself the 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 police between police. the two com- comedy <laughs> yeah. clubs. There's no there'll be oh, no you are. C- uh, comedy on comedy crime when I'm around. <laughs> Is there yes. ever comedy on comedy? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't think so. I think no. JB has just decided he's the oh. police. But, you know, like last week, I actually had to get the, the, the Acme person to stop talking. It was oh, Pete yeah, Lee. I true. had to get him to stop talking no, oh, I love to Pete get Lee. his butt in Pete. here. Yeah. It's like, Pete, yeah. we got to go. Pete, 
What did he meet uh, someone from Wisconsin? No, he he met. Oh, you guys! <laughs> um, Ida, Ida Rodriguez. Yeah, Ida, and they know each other, and they wanted to hang out, and all. And it's like, dude, we gotta go. <laughs> we got a show yeah. to do. He's and, just so friendly. That and then I yeah. turn around, and Cassie's standing there looking at me. He's like, I'm like, we gotta go now. <laughs> You know, don't wrap me out to Pete on this one, because I've known Pete forever, too. I think the world of him. But one thing I love about Pete is I see him about every two years, because I wasn't in in Cuba when he was on the show last week. So um, I haven't seen him in a while. But every time I did see him, oh, yeah, Tom, look, I've got a new fiancé. Yeah, every time I see you, you have a new fiancé. He loves love. I don't know what the- he loves love. That's but he exactly doesn't love right. it enough. <laughs> can you guys write down the time and send me that clip so I can send it to Pete? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Beaver. Pete, is a, he is such a nice man. love working with Pete. And what a handsome fella. He is a handsome fella. Very, a, very handsome young guy. And he, he kind of tends to know that. He doesn't know it as much as some other people that I've worked with. because. He, yeah, some people, I mean, listen. We're not going to name names here, but some yes, people know they're handsome and some people don't. Well, but he did have a young lady with him. So Pete, yeah, he did. yeah that's his that's his girlfriend. She's awesome. She's from Alabama and is yeah, she's a, a nurse. scientist. Yep. Or oh, she's yeah. a scientist too. I think she was a nurse, wasn't she? She's yeah, a, so she, yeah, she's a nurse. Right, Spe- some type of specialty nurse, but she's oh, a nurse. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because we were talking about medications and whatnot, and she knew them all. Oh, yeah, because he takes propranolol for stage fright. What? The beta blocker. <laughs> what? I didn't know that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. Breaking down the fourth wall. <laughs> <laughs> Can you spell that? I'm going to tweet yeah. that out right now. <laughs> propranolol. propranolol. Stage frightly. Yep. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, he, had, he, he had another medication for flight. Air flight. Oh yeah, flight. it takes something to basically just. Knock it doesn't knock out. him out, but it <laughs> functionally knocks him out. He took an Ambien on the way to Hong Kong and thought the flight oh, attendant was a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> That's mean, true. I honestly want to try Ambien just to see how insane it is, but oh. I also don't want to like jump off a cliff thinking I can fly. So. Yeah, I was bringing my kids to a park, and I was on a road that I had been on. I mean, thousands of times mm-hmm. because for, between being a kid and, and mm-hmm. living out in this area, uh, bringing him to the park at a, an elementary school, I, f- I didn't know where I was all of a sudden. I was taking Ambien. Um, I'd taken one the night before. Didn't know where I was. Didn't realize there were kids in my seat. Didn't know who they were when I turned around. It oh. was really freaky. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yeah. And it's like, you always have to wonder, it's like, what if I don't come out of that state? Mm-hmm. It's like, I just all of a sudden don't know what anyone who anyone is and where i am yeah the last time i I ever took yeah no thank you heroin helps me sleep (laughs) yeah Yeah, i could see that i could see that would be very helpful yes absolutely i gotta tell you something uh somebody needs to get to work over at google because i was just uh, thinking about uh, about the uh, and i can't remember his last name i don't know him all that well but is uh he's an italian guy and his name is bobby but i can't remember his last name so I, i typed in italian comedian bobby and you know whose picture came up? Who? Bobby Slayton. Oh. <laughs> He's real Italian, okay? Mm. He might be he might be Jewish. I'm not certain, but I'm pretty sure. God, Bobby Slayton the Italian. Yeah, I don't think so. No, he's always uh, ladies and gentlemen. He's always talking about Italian food and whatnot. 
He does love Italian food. That is very, very true. He's well, everyone a, he, does. He, that was that. I didn't even realize because I hadn't seen Bobby in a couple of years. Another guy I've known for a million years, and I hadn't seen him. Go, I didn't realize his wife got killed in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. good God, that's terrible. Yeah, real brutal. So I saw him. And, yeah, it was really brutal. But he, uh, I don't know. He he's quite the guy. That's all I'm saying. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to tell you to go see Chad Daniels at Acme tonight or tomorrow night, but you can't because he sold all the shows out. I do think, though, that if you if you wait until there's at least a foot more of snow, that somebody <laughs> might not show up so you could sneak in. I'll tell you who's not right? going to show up. Me. <laughs> <laughs> not, so if there's a foot not more of snow, <laughs> if you guys want to come to the hotel and meet in the lobby, I'll <laughs> tell you my stupid stories. <laughs> Not stupid stories. They're quite entertaining. Let me just point that out to you. Yeah, Melissa's work tomorrow. Uh, they don't get off work, but the cafeteria does. Yep, the cafeteria is like because you, it's, too <laughs> it's too so dangerous. So they get to go to work and not have food. <laughs> and not have food. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is Perfect. this? Cuba? Life is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Target. Yeah, tar- exactly target right. for you. I mean, well, I don't have to work, gentlemen, but. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else. Chad Daniels with us. Chad Daniels at Acme tonight and tomorrow night. Two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow night. Always a great pleasure to see your name on the docket. Love talking to you, as, as always. I always have and I always will. That's uh, all I, feel, I feel the same. Thanks for having me in and I uh, appreciate that. You're a good man, sir. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Tom Bernard Show. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Hot buttered rum, light on the butter, and snow. Snow, 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 snow. It won't be long before we'll all be there with snow, snow, snow. When this podcast is released, it will be time for snow. That was Chad Daniels on the best of. Coming up next, we had a little bit of an interesting guest with Mark McClish talking about how to tell if someone's lying to you. Or maybe I'm lying to you and it's not Mark McClish. Next on The Best Up. snowing all winter through, that's where I want to be. Snowball throwing, that's what I'll do. Speaking of deception, we have Mark McClish on the phone. Mark McClish, how are you? Marky oh. Mark. Mr. McClish, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I, I just read something here, and this is going to be its going to be a very difficult one for me, Mark, because I just read Mark McClish is a retired supervisory deputy United States Marshal. He spent nine years teaching interviewing techniques. Well, I, I guess I'm under the gun here, Mark. <laughs> Maybe well, not that nine kind years of. at our training academy, teaching interviewing techniques. Maybe not that kind that's of interview, good. though. <laughs> talking about a, a criminal investigation and an interview? Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, two books, as a matter of fact, Mark McClish, M-C-C-L-I-S-H. Uh, Don't Be Deceived, the definitive book on detecting deception, and I Know You Are Lying. We were just talking about this by coincidence, Mark. Uh, we're talking about people, particularly politicians, when they get up in front of the national cameras and their body language and their facial tics give them away as liars every time. We were just talking about this. Uh, it's it's pretty hard to believe that people can't cover it up better than well, maybe some can some people cover it up better than others. I would assume so. 
some people are better at covering up than others and you know the body language is one thing to look at because it will betray you know a person's true thoughts uh, but also what I focus on is the language how people phrase their statement and even though you know people may be a very good liar their words will still betray them in some form or fashion is it, see, I think that's fascinating. Is it true that people that are true psychopaths, though, they believe their own lie? It's harder to detect that they're lying? It's true that they believe their own lie. I don't, I never found, I haven't interviewed that many uh, so, 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 whatever. <laughs> psychopaths, so, so, sorry. Psychopaths, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but the problem is they sometimes will tell lies are just, hard to believe. I mean, they're just fantastic because they believe it, and it starts to become apparent that they are lying to you. Oh, see, what's great about that, Mark, is a guy who asked you that question is a psychopath. So, you know. <laughs> gee, gee, thanks, Tom. <laughs> gee, thanks, Just Tom. seeing if you're listening. Mark, I, first of all, thank you for your service. I'm a big fan of cops and uh, United States Marshals and Deputy Chiefs and Chiefs, and I, I just, you people are very, very special people to me. There's no doubt about that. So thank you for your service. And I like the fact you're, you're, you're going to share some of the techniques with people. People, why do people, and I'm talking about as a whole, people love to lie. Is it just easier that way? Is that what it is? Well, they love to lie, but what what they don't want to do is tell the whole truth. That that's more of a more of an accurate statement. I mean, the biggest form of lying is by admission. So they'll give you a truthful statement. You'll see that a lot with our politicians, but they'll withhold certain information, or they'll qualify their statement, or they may not answer the specific question asked of them. It's so fascinating because we were just talking also about television news and the fact that network television news will run stories as being 100% factual, and at the very end they go, this might not be true. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> I, I don't understand how we got to that point, but it's, I, I see so much deception. I have had close friends, I have had people I've known for decades lie to my face just so they could, they could get some money. It's unbelievable. Is, it, is a lot of this about money, Mark? Uh, in some cases it's about money, but a lot of times it's just people maybe don't want to embarrass themselves or they've mm. done something they shouldn't have done. So they want to get themselves in trouble or somebody else in trouble, and so they, again, maybe will lie about it or not tell us the complete truth about what was going on. It is amazing because uh, uh, Juan Corona, one of the uh, the mass murderer of 25 people, just died yesterday at the age of 85. And I know uh, a couple years ago when he was in prison, he actually was asked about the 25 people he murdered. And he said, what? I don't remember killing anybody. Why would he even I mean, does he believe that? Why would he say that? It's It's very bizarre. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance he doesn't believe it, but most likely he probably knows he killed those people. And so notice what he said. He didn't say, I didn't kill those people. He just said, you know, I don't know what you're talking about or I don't remember something of that happening. But he couldn't make the denial. How many people have Now, would would you call what you guys do the interrogation? Uh, it is interrogation. It's not like you grill people or... You get to shine that spotlight on them. I always like the spotlight in the old movies when they try to spotlight on someone and then grill them. I love that. It's it's more of an interview. I mean, you can usually get the information you're looking for in a good interview if, if you're listening to what the person's saying and recognize they've skipped over something and you eventually back them up in their story. But the interrogation is more, like you're saying, it's more uh, confronting, confronting somebody and 
and, and turn the heat up a little bit, so to speak. But most of the time, we're just talking about interviews, just doing a good interview and, and get, trying to get that information from that person. That's a good thing. So does it, in your every, first of all, are, 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 you, uh, are you a married man? I am. The only reason I ask you that is that when your wife's with you, does she say, would you stop analyzing people? Does she, does she complain that you analyze people all the time, even off the job now? Nah, she doesn't complain, and that's one of the um, warnings I give when I do my training is I tell people don't use these techniques on family and friends, and I say it jokingly, <laughs> but obviously if you've got kids, you're going to analyze them as they grow up. But uh, my wife travels with me when I conduct this training. She sits in, in all the classes because she takes care of registration and payment and stuff like that, so she could probably teach the class herself. Uh, but no, I, I don't think I could lie to her and get away with it because she knows all the techniques. But does she see you doing it to other people, whether intentionally or unintentionally? She goes, you know, Mark, you were talking to a guy, you were kind of grilling him. I don't know if you know that. And you go, I, I didn't even know I was doing that. Is that a possibility? Uh, it's a possibility, but I'm a little more aware of it. I mean, I'll definitely pick okay. up on certain words that people use just in having a conversation with somebody. But I, unlike an interview, I don't ask follow-up questions. You know, I, I don't grill them. I just oh, right. recognize it's an indication they said at one time, that's it. Now, interviewing a suspect, they'll probably give you a lot more indications of deception if they are, you know, withholding some information. All right, I can see that. We're talking to Mark McClish. His two books, got, Don't Be Deceived. No, no, I understand that. Don't Be Deceived, the definitive book on detecting deception, and I know you are lying. Uh, I just, I'm fascinated by, by both titles. I know you are lying, so... Uh, I love the way that sounds anyway, because I think when I was a little kid and I tried to pull a fast one on my mother, you said, yeah, well, I know you're lying. So I've heard that my entire life, to tell you the truth. Uh, and I like this, Don't Be Deceived, the definitive book on detecting deception. Uh, and I wish I didn't have to say this, Mr. McClish, but I do. I think this book uh, comes at a really good time because people are being lied to maybe more than they ever have before by Everybody, everyone's lying to everybody else because of social media. I think, is that true? That is true. I find that to be true. There is a lot more deception going on, uh, and it, sometimes it's a little bit easier with social media because you're not face to face with somebody speaking to them. You don't have the body language that you have to worry about, and so there is a lot of uh, deception going on out there. Even if it's just uh, somebody trying to sell you something of course they want to make their product sound the best product in the world but the, if you listen close to what they're saying you realize well you haven't told me that this is such a great product or, or does or is going to work for me yeah I, it's a fascinating you know my wife actually Catherine, is on the show with us here Hello. and i will tell you something that she that she's been doing body language for quite some time because she says i know the three levels of anger that you have and I said, what are you talking about? She goes, I can tell which level of anger you are by your body language. And I said, okay, what are you talking about? She goes, if you're getting angry, you tend to sit up very straight. And if you're getting even angrier, you lean forward a little bit. That's right. And if you're really angry, you start bobbing your head up and down. <laughs> like a parrot and chewing your I've lip. actually seen him do that before. Now that you say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've seen you bob so, his head. Was like, he must have been mad. So, Mark, I guess I can't get away with anything around Catherine. She's got me nailed. Well, you have to remember, family members, you know, are observant. They see you in all your, everybody's, you know, various states of emotion. So, <laughs> right. if anybody's going to know 
body language is going to be your family members. I assume that's true. That's right. I think it's magnificent, though. And it's how long has has uh, reading body body movements? How, how long has that technique been available? The, the whole culture itself, actually. The body language has been around for a long time. I don't have a an exact date for for you now. Mm-hmm. The linguistic linguistic analysis analyzing the language has probably been in the U.S. since the early '80s. Yeah, I, I think that's probably probably a situation. I do like that fact. Uh, even though I will tell you again, watching television, whether it's somebody that's president of a company or a politician or a whomever, they just go on and they lie right to your face, and you know they're lying, and they know they're lying, but they get away with it anyway. It's uh, it's a different society. When I was a kid, being honest was a was a very big thing to my mother. Being on, uh, honest about that, and look, everybody throughout their lives uses. I don't know if they mean to deceive, but, you know, the little, the, what they used to call white lies, I guess. Uh, so everybody's done it, I would imagine. But I think, am I wrong? It, has it gotten a lot worse? I, I believe it has gotten a lot worse. Uh, now, sometimes it is, like you're saying, just like a, a, a white lie to lie to somebody, not to maybe embarrass them or something like that. But mm-hmm. the deception is more prevalent now than, than we've seen in, in previous years. Well, that's why I think everybody needs to go out and pick up your books, Don't Be Deceived, the definitive book on detecting deception. And I know you are lying. I don't think it's a bad thing to know when people are lying to you, particularly people. I have had people, Mark, in my life that I've known for three or four decades who pulled off deception on me, and I never saw it coming because I didn't. I didn't ever suspect they would do something like that to me, but they do it now, and it's all about money. It's always about money. It's it's really too bad. It's unfortunate because they're basically criminals. So I, I appreciate your time today in talking about this and reading your books because uh, the more you know about this, I think right now the, the happier you're going to be. Whether somebody you're voting for is lying to you, they're not really going to do what they say they're going to do, and you're going to vote for them, well, maybe you're not going to because you, they, you now know that they're lying. So I think this will really help a lot of people, Mark. Is that one of the uh, initial reasons you wrote the books, just to try to help people understand what this is all about? Yeah, that was one of my goals. It wasn't just a book written for law enforcement in an interview setting, but just for the, the, mm-hmm. the casual reader to, like you say, to determine, is this politician being truthful? Are they going to do what they say? Um, again, we don't usually we let our guard down a little bit when it comes to friends and family because we expect them not to lie to us. But um, but for other areas of life, if you're just buying a car or something like that, you want to listen closely to what that salesman tells you and how he phrases his statements to see if he is being truthful about this car you're about to buy. I think it's fantastic. I appreciate your time today, sir. It's a, a great interview. And so I have to ask you, you spent nine years teaching interviewing techniques. Any tips you could give me? The biggest thing to listen when you ask a person a question is, did they answer your specific question? I mean, people give you an answer, but when they're being deceptive, they won't answer the specific question. They'll make it sound like they answered your question, but they haven't. That's probably the biggest thing you can listen for. That's, I think it's that's magnificent. That's every politician there is right now. Pretty much. <laughs> that's right. You're right. It is unbelievable. Mark McClish, thank you so much. Great interview, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. There's just one thing that I've got to say. Just don't lie to me. Don't treat me like a fool. That was no, Mark McClish on the best of. 
Coming up next, closing out the show, we're opening up the old vault. All the way back to episode number 91 with heavy hitter Dave Hamilton. One of the founding fathers of the KQRS Morning Show success. Next on the best of. Here's Dave Cooper. Here's something you want to hear, give me a call. 452-3333. This goes out to Minnetonka. Foghat, fool for the city. Slow ride right on Super U. 51, Minneapolis-St. Paul. Dave Cooper and a Stones. Watch it. U100, wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. 858 is Dave Cooper with Redbone. 452-3333. Come and get it, baby. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. These are the days I know, I know. Dave Hamilton is our special guest today. Hi, Dave. Hi, Tony. I know, I know. These are the days I know. How about that? Very good, Tony. Wonderful. Special gift to you, Dave Hamilton. Merry Christmas. Warm welcome for little Davey. That was a good place to start, actually, because that's where the whole, whole thing began. Sure. Is when Dave was at U One Hundred. That's right. That's the first time I talked to Catman. We'll tell you about that in a second. But Tony yep. Lee and Dave Hamilton for the mm-hmm. what twelve years? <laughs> God, yeah. Since you guys have yeah. talked, probably. I ran into Dave at uh, Southdale South Mall. Oh, that's right. Not Costco. <laughs> I always fought. I always run into Tony at Costco. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good true. spot. Well, he's a Jew. He's looking for a good deal. I'm sure. I was, you and that. your Jew. I was problems. dickering with the clerks. Yes, you were. You were, you were trying to clerk them down. Fine in bulk. Clerk um, them down. A lot. Never mind. A lot. <laughs> a lot of people have been asking on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you got to get the wizard on. It's Hammy. the wizard. I, I, have, I have a urination problem. Yeah, oh. okay, nice. Very <laughs> Prostate. Nice. I've been working on that It'll one. happen. 1975? <laughs> hmm. Was that the year you Well, that was U100. That's the first time I, I spoke with you. You made a request right. on my overnight show. You did? Yeah. You that requested a song? Uh, you requested a parody song. that oh, uh, I said, play it now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yo, you don't what know about that. It was about uh, two thirty in the morning, and was he I would hammered. I would say he didn't sound. Uh, no, he sounded uh, intense, right. <laughs> focused. <laughs> well, we were both very young men. Yes. So I, it was a parody song of. of uh, it was called Mister Jocks. It was a parody of a parody. The parody was right. was called Mister Jaws. It was uh, Dickie Goodman. Oh, Dickie Goodman. Remember he yes. crank one of those out every six months, and he'd right. take popular songs, and he'd he'd uh, he was he was uh, it was kind of a. Uh, an, inter- an interview and then a reply from the hooks of songs. Oh, like Weird Al oh, is doing yeah, that kind of thing, that. right? Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, so we did a version that was based on uh, the local radio landscape. It was called <laughs> Mister Jocks, and we had a little uh, a Catman se- uh, segment. It was a parody of me yes. in the song. Yes. So I, I didn't know Dave at the time, so I called. Him, <laughs> what did I say? Play it you next said uh, you well. You called the hotline, not the request line. First oh, of all, yes, it's two two thirty in the morning. I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> oh shit, my program director's awake. But oh, um, but it was uh, Tom. I knew his voice instantly. I was a huge fan of Tom's. He was uh, across the street, but I think he was in between jobs at that point. Fired. Uh, yeah, probably. Yes. Fired. Let yeah. go. Let go. Yes. <laughs> Behavior off. at the office. 
So, uh, and he said, play Mr. Jocks next. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he commanded next. you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, nice. And yeah, I said, yes, sir. And I, I uh, did. Played it next. And then how long after that? Was it, what, about a year later we went to the baseball game? That was in 1977. So it was about a year and a half later. It was in the summer of 77. I was doing overnights at KDWB. You were overnights at 1130, which was called Y11 at the time. Yeah. 1130 a.m. And... I would uh, drive home at 6 o'clock when my shift was over, and Tom was working a seven-hour shift. He'd do the first stop. Uh, he'd do the news and sports that first hour with the morning guy. Right. And it was obvious from hearing you do the sports that you were a huge baseball fan, right. as I right. was. And the Twins were having a uh, mediocre season, which was good for them at the time. And and, yes. and uh, KDWB was very generous with the station box seats. They had great seats, and, mm-hmm. and you know, they'd allow the DJs to actually use them. So, uh, so I called my... Uh, my competitor uh, the following evening and said, hey, uh, Catman, it's Dave Cooper over here at KD, and sounds like you're a baseball fan like I am. Uh, would you like to go to the uh, the game with me Friday night? And uh, since we both work the same shift. Right. And uh, so we met at the Will Call Gate. I remember mm-hmm. that. We met at the Will Call Gate. And, and then, then Dave he... almost got me into a fight. Hazing. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, was he lipping off? Tom was, uh, was, was a... Uh, uh, a very different guy in those days. He was. Uh, they love the picture, by the way. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Well, actually, you haven't seen she the picture. Seen, I brought it. I'll oh, go you, grab on your okay. phone. Yeah, that was from that era. That was from that yeah. era. That's exactly right. Yeah, Tom, Tom frightened me a little bit when we first met. <laughs> uh, he's still scary sometimes. Yeah. I did look like a maniac. Well, wait do you see this picture? It's like. Long oh, hair. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. Y'all got a Fu Manchu yeah. mustache. And nice. You can't your, even grow a really? beard. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. How did you get one of those? He, it's not that he can't. It's that it's like, you know, a rainbow of colors. So he doesn't want to. <laughs> it's a rainbow of colors. We're talking to Dave Hamilton, who is Hammy. the operations manager at KQRS uh uh, been PD or operation ops manager for what twenty eight years, right? Since nineteen eighty five. Since nineteen eighty five. My God. Yeah, I was a program director at KDWB in the early eighties too. Yep, yeah. absolutely. And that, that that was when I was doing records. Yes, that you were my capital rep, and it's I funny. Did you ever see him? Yes, he would. Oh, he would uh, well, there were two stations in his in his region that mattered to him. It was KS ninety five and KDWB. Yeah. And it was actually KD. I had both KDW AM and FM, but the right. AM mattered more, I believe, at the time because at that it was time, yeah. it was a top forty station. We you know turned the songs over mm-hmm. more frequently. And I remember you working me on the tubes. The tubes, yeah. yeah. It was a great tubes. song called "I Don't Want to Wait Anymore." I don't want to wait anymore. Wonderful song. Yes, and and um, I, it's funny uh, that came up because today. I follow Fee Waybill on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the Tubes are actually playing concerts. No, Still? Yeah, they're no. out touring. Oh, man. Man. I, when I was there, what? Mom's laughing Isn't at the picture. That's a handsome man. Oh, thank what you. What are you doing Spotty there? Spotty goatee. Uh, this is my, whole attitude, my whole life then was yeah. kind of like leaning in. <laughs> and you, you were smiling there. Somebody must have said, the, yeah, the smile. <laughs> super jock. Why you smile? He's got a t-shirt that says super jock. I, yeah. Where did you get that? a t-shirt oh, that says super jock? He is. Yes, and He's then there's a guy it. flexing his bicep. There's a, yeah. oh. There's an arm, like an arm and hammer. You really ought to post that on, on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right Alex, now? Oh, okay. Well, I didn't want that. to do it before mom saw it. What was I on? That was about... Meth? 19. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have meth back then. <laughs> no, he would no. have meth. I was on meth. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I mean, Dave at the, uh, the Will Call window at the Twins game in 1977. And 
We're both huge fans of the Twins. Right. But it was it Milwaukee? Uh, well, let's see. Who were they? I don't recall. Oh. No, I think it was the White Sox. That was somebody was mad that game. we were cheering or something, right? Or that you were cheering. Well, the fans in those days were, you know, the Minnesotans <clears throat> were really stoic Scandahoovians. They were, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't cheer. No, they wouldn't cheer. And you and I were, you know, crazy younger and uh, and raucous fans. And yeah. uh, and it was a close game, and uh, you know, tie game. You know, one run here and there. And I got up to, to yell and scream, and someone said, "Hey, sit down." <laughs> Behind us, and you had, you had said maybe two words to me up until that point of the game. It was a fourth or fifth inning. <laughs> fourth or fifth inning. <laughs> yeah, fun. I was trying to make conversation, but but you uh, but you turned around when this guy asked me to sit down or made some comment, kind of grumbled, and yeah, you uh, did. and you told him to to shut up. Uh, that's my friend. Shut up, or I'll whack you. Right? It was some 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 <laughs> veiled a, threat. Yeah, you're a nice. bitch ass motherfucker. Yeah, there was right there. So I said, okay, he's my friend. Yeah, I, I know he. he must like me if he uh, if he's yeah. going to beat somebody up for me. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> and the other guy sat down, and shut up. Anyway, well, that's mm-hmm. good. So it worked. It worked out very, very well. So yeah, we went through the, that the record phase, and then uh, I was doing voiceover. And David, uh, when he was in New York, when he was in Boston, wherever you were, Chicago, yeah, we stayed in contact. <clears throat> we stayed in contact as you moved around the country, mm-hmm. and um. So then I, Dave came back to Minneapolis from Boston, right? Yes, in 1985. Because it, was you do like a country station? Yeah, it was for him in a country station, which That's was right. awful. I got there and realized, I mean, country was a hot format at the time. That was the first Boston. wave of, uh, you know, the Judds were new yeah. and oh, all yeah, those yeah, new artists yeah. were breaking about that time. And I thought, well, this is great. Boston works everywhere. Or excuse me, country, the country format works everywhere. Even Boston. Well, it didn't work in Boston. I can't imagine. Yeah. No, it, okay. there was a uh, there was an uh, uh, service base out in the suburbs okay. where all of the listeners were. Oh. Other than that, there was just no there were no country fans in that town. So didn't do very well. I was really happy to get back in a rock, come back to KQRS, a station that really was underperforming. It was kind of yeah. laying there dormant yeah. for years. Who owned it at that time? A couple of lawyers, oh, okay. I um, the, the McKennas, the McKennas, yes, right. okay. yeah, who just loved me. Yeah, well, that that's <clears throat> it was tough to get Tom back in the door because Tom had had a short stint as morning man at KQRS in 1983. I remember. Yeah, with a yeah. with a psycho partner. Although I shouldn't speak ill of those that have departed, but she was yeah, she a died. little unstable. She died. Yes, died. Yeah. A heart attack. Somebody told me. Yeah, but um, but anyhow, that that didn't go on. But the show was great. I was at KDWB at the time, and even though it was only on for for a few months, you know, it yeah. was it was great. I mean, you were you know obviously made for mornings. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got fired. So so I get the job with the McKennas, and they uh, you know I, the first thing I realized is we needed a morning show, and you know you were the perfect guy to do that and trying to a talk you into it because you had a lucrative voiceover career at the time. That was my first uh, battle. And the second battle was talking the McKinnas into allowing you back in the door, which they were yes. they were not agreeable to. It was I was absolutely hit a, hit, a, hit a brick wall with that. But all of a sudden, they warmed to the idea, and I'm like, "Wow, my my skills of persuasion here are really something." <laughs> I'm really good at. I've, this. Yeah, I've talked them into this. Well, the reality is they were on the verge of selling it, so they didn't right. care. Oh. And and the new owners uh, it was Cap Cities. Oh yeah, uh, Cap. Right. Yes. And. And and this is kind of funny. Cap Cities had just merged with ABC, so Cap, Cap City, the smaller ABC. company, yeah, just yeah. gobbled up ABC uh, yeah. Television, the radio network, television network, all of the affiliates. Uh, uh, and you know, Cap Cities was known as kind of a frugal, austere company compared to what ABC was. Well, we were working for a couple of complete cheapskates, right? right. And <laughs> as 
as a favor. But but the McKennas were Washington attorneys. They knew FCC law, and the McKennas, who owned KQRS, had been uh, uh, instrumental in getting that merger between Cap Cities and ABC right, done. Right. Yeah. So as a favor to the McKennas for doing this work, Jim Marker and Cap Cities decided to take KQRS off their hands for ten and a half million dollars. Ten and a half million nice. dollars. Back right. then, that was a fortune. Oh. Well, the McKennas thought so, and and grabbed the money and got out of the radio business. But that was right before the radio uh, yeah, valuations right. exploded. I mean, that that station top value. I don't even. I wouldn't even know what it's worth now. But the top value somebody told me was just yeah, well, like four hundred million, probably so. And and I would say that <laughs> that ten million had they stuck, had they gone with our program, right, and just hung on to it for three more years, that ten million probably would have been seventy or eighty million, oh, conservative. Well, they're yeah. fine. My McKenna brothers' story: the McKennas, I guess, would come in once or twice a year, and they had evidently some little list of the employees they could make small talk about. They had oh, took everybody right. out to lunch, and they would go around the room and go, you know, <laughs> damn, you the- still like to fish and. Uh, Debbie, <laughs> yes. nice earrings. And I was a new employee at the time, and they probably just looked at my name and put a question mark yes. next to it and said, Tony, do you like pizza? <laughs> I do remember that. I remember mm, that. Italian That's, boy. Yes. Tony the Italian oh, yeah. boy. People still give me shit about that. And Tony, you like pizza? Yeah. Do you make your own oh, bosses? And you know what yeah. I do? It's okay. Yeah. I, to this day, don't don't know why the McKenna's hated me. I didn't do anything to them. Well, they uh-huh. just were, they were, you know, distant owners. They yeah, really didn't yeah. know the operational side of radio. No. And it scared them. You know, the idea of having talent and having, you yeah. know, I mean, they just wanted to keep things very simple, and uh, it was very complicated to them to try to build a morning show and market. Oh, and well, when I was in high school, it was just this little alternative rock station. Yeah, that was like a cult following. Yes, that yeah. that was supported mm-hmm. by Down in the Valley, right. and uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, those exactly were their right. clients. It yeah. was the local advertisers in that area. I wonder what the listenership was back then. It was small but loyal. Yeah, yeah. So the McKenna's. Did, they made a little bit of money with it, you know, yeah. selling to the local advertisers and so forth. But, but you know, once Tom joined the station, I, I started in 80, 85. It took about 11 months to get Tom in the door. It was April of 86, and then we were right. off to the races. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it grew fast, and it was... Uh, it was a thing of beauty because you had a lot of established morning shows here. Uh, we were talking about at the studio today, Nap and Donuts and Heinz and Berglund. Heinz and, of and course, Berglund, they were huge. Boone yeah, and Boone and Erickson, yeah. CCO was still the big kahuna. And, you know, right. within... Uh, within a year and a half, we had blown them all out of the water. I mean, it was it was amazing, and it, it was. Was, caused a real problem with the local media, local establishment, because this was the you know this was the anti-establishment show. Right. This was mm-hmm. this was the show of the people. You know? <laughs> yeah, nobody nobody questioned sports and authority or, or made honest comments about no, that at the time. Yeah. No, Heinz Heinz and Berglund, that was a very popular show, but their their little slogan that they said every day was "Yippee Skippy." Yeah, or silly. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. We're so happy. And John remains a friend to this day, as a matter of fact. So what happened was, I'm sitting in New York with Catherine and I. I was doing voiceover, and Catherine and I had an apartment on 20th Street and 2nd Avenue in New York City. And I was sitting in the apartment, and the phone rang. It was Catherine. This is like April 5th of 1986. Yes. Somewhere in there. Catherine called and said, "Uh, I'm pregnant. We'd gotten we we'd gotten married in 1984, and then two years later she calls and said, "I'm pregnant." What do you mean? What are you making a face for? You didn't even know what year we got married. 
Go on. <clears throat> Dave was at the wedding. <laughs> That's right. Because the Yankees, we beat the Yankees yeah. going first place. Twins were in first place. That's exactly oh. right. That's how you're marking the events. That's in how your they life. remember everything. Eighty-four. And Dave will will back me up on this. While we were come, while Catherine was coming down the aisle, Craig Schumacher was playing the music. And he went from the uh, Ode to Joy into the Twins. And no, we're going to win Twins. We're going to win Twins. We're going to As Catherine was coming down Classy the event. And, at, and at that moment, I got a little tear in my eye. <laughs> Absolutely. That's very emotional. That's, That's very true. We're going to win Twins as, as she was marching down the aisle. So she called and said, uh, uh, I'm pregnant. I said, so I talked about it. I thought, That's great. And we talked about, well, you know, you're going to raise a kid in Manhattan? We're like, uh, probably not. So I hung up the phone, and literally about one second later, the phone rang, and it was Dave. And he said, I just want to call you again. You know, you want to get back into radio? And I said, yeah. (laughs) I said, yeah, I'll get back into radio. And actually, the the first offer was very generous for Mm -hmm. those times. It was very generous. Because Cap Cities, that's what we were working through by that point in time. We we knew that the merger was going to happen, so... The McKenna said, okay, well, you know, you take that up with Jim Arcara, who was actually a great CEO. He ran yeah, the radio. He was, yeah. he was. And, and his comment to me, I said, look, I want to bring this guy in. Uh, you know, he's an incredible talent. Uh, he's had a checkered past on the radio, but I know him well. <laughs> he has a baby on the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he's going to be surrounded by a good management team here that really understands, you know, how to do right. personality. <laughs> yeah, and how to do personality radio. And Cap Cities, that's what they do. I mean, they have big personalities at their yeah. radio stations. Yeah. And Jim goes, you know what? You have to take take risks to to, ma- uh, to make it happen in this uh, business. So, what do you need to pay him? Here's our budget, and and there we go. That's that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. Are you surprised, Dave, how it took off? Uh, well, I knew it would be successful, but the little twists and turns that happened along the oh, way man. were, uh, you know, it's unsus- <coughs> uh, you know. Uh, couldn't anticipate all of them. Let's put it that way. But but I knew that it would be successful. I knew right away when I heard it. You know when we started, uh, you know making things happen uh, that uh, that it was going to uh, get ratings. And uh, the thing is, you know KQRS was a, was a pretty solid brand in the market too. So it was a great yeah, fit. Yeah. It was a great fit to put put that show to put Tom on KQRS and you know obviously putting you on the show Tony and you know we found a number of other uh, uh, you know good other uh, components to the show and uh, and, and parts yeah Mark Rosen who was already on the show but he was doing this really dry uh, sports cast (laughs) with a very dry DJ and all of a sudden he turns into little Marky Rosen and uh, you know that was actually Dan Culhane's idea to call him little Marky Rosen (laughs) Dan Klein came up with that idea. And then there was a song that Tom sang. There was a song, yeah. Little right. Marky Rosen. Rosen, yeah. <laughs> Sports guy. Yeah, it was. So about two months in, Dave gets a call from, you were in Orlando? I was he, in Orlando. You were in Orlando. Yeah, it's because... I'll never forget this. And he, you didn't tell me at the time, by the way. Right. Well, our general manager, you know, that's that's the program director's job for all of you listeners out there is to kind of run interference for talent, at least in right. this in this particular case. And we had some real neurotic hand wringer types in the corner office right. over the years. Uh and uh, did you ever? Yeah. So I mean, that's seriously my my line is even at the time was like this is taking five years off my life dealing with you know yeah so and so down the hall because right. they were I mean and no matter what happened it was oh my god why are we doing this why are we doing that and right. and that is part of the you know the occupational hazard of the job I mean you're you're second guessed by everyone 
But in this particular case, what we were doing was so different. And of course, we were getting a ton of complaints, which I knew at the time was really good news. <laughs> so, uh, but, but management, of course, is freaking out. And, uh, and our manager at the time, this uh, called me and I was on the road and uh, listening to an assignment from our company. And the manager called and said, look, this isn't working. We got to do something here. This show is we're getting complaints. And, you know, Tom was talking about this or that. I said, no, no, just hang with it. It's it's going to be okay. I'll yeah, be back look at tomorrow. The listenership. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's before the. I mean, this was early on, and, and yeah. there's a, de- a delayed period before the ratings. Well, oh, okay. at the time, Arbitron only came out. I think we were only twice a year, three times a year at the three time. Three times a year. Yeah. Yeah. So we, you know, to get feedback, to get that data back, was taking a while. Well, there was a, uh, there was sort of a, a a secondary type of rating service at the time. Was it Birch or MediaStat? I think it was MediaStat Media at the time. Who kind of merged between these other, you know, also rands in the, in the ratings business, but oftentimes they were a good indicator of what was happening. And we were doing our own internal research, uh, random sample calls. So we knew that it was taking off right away. And by the time we saw that, I think he finally shut up once he saw the media stat and then the Arbitron came out and it was, the ratings doubled in, you know, three months. In three months, yeah. Well, almost doubled. It went from a five to a nine. Yeah, like a nine, eight or something like that. Yeah, yeah. right out of the show. I mean, we didn't even have a sound library back then remember yeah, we were trying we were there. we were making like does this sound like a wing mm-hmm. <laughs> does that sound like a bird <laughs> you know what we don't have a sound library <laughs> again that's right <laughs> we're back to the- that was cut by the way last month oh last month i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> but david and i are making eyes at each other yes again but um uh just very quickly what do you think it means that nielsen bought arbitron well, it's economies of scale. You know, I think it makes sense. And, you know, yeah. like all other mergers, I'm sure they'll find ways to, you know, cut staff and, uh, right. you know, do things more efficiently. Probably a good idea from the science aspect, though, that you may get a larger sample size, yeah, which our industry right. is clamoring for. That would help. Really? You don't, put, oh, sorry. Go ahead. You don't, you don't think that, you know, having one company in charge of what everybody listens and watches I mean, they could manipulate anything they wanted to. Well, they have to answer to their clients, and the clients have been, you know, really spineless. Particularly the yeah. radio. I mean, the radio yeah. industry has shot itself in the foot in the way they've no they've question. changed the the metrics of, of audience measurement, and uh, they're allowing uh, Arbitron to dictate to them what you know what they will take, and and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, for your sake and everyone's sake that's still in the business. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> I did not like the the, the paragraph that said because <clears throat> we ought to keep an eye on the multicultural audience. Yeah. Oh no. And I think I think they needed to say that to get the deal done. <clears throat> yeah, probably true. Yeah, that, the government likes that. So you think they'll put it on cell phones now? Well, there there are technical problems with that. I thought they, don't they do that in Canada? Uh, I don't believe so. I think they really? did at one time, but the new phones, oh, okay. with the old phones, but the new phones you because guys, of the noise blocking. You're uh, talking about an app so that people can. Yes, instead, and of wearing, instead of wearing a garage door open, right? But the problem is, it needs to pick up background sound. This yeah. little device does, and the right. way you know iPhones and the new smartphones are made, uh, apparently that doesn't work. Well, there's that Shazam can do that, right? 
Yes. Something like that? Yes, but I don't think you can have a conversation and listen to Shazam at the same time. No, no. Yeah. It has to be very clear or else Shazam doesn't know yep. what's going on. Oh, exactly. Yeah, okay. so, so the Arbitron thing actually listens in the background for music? Yeah, so if you walk oh, into a wow. store and you're wearing one of these pagers on your belt, uh, you know, and you're in a store for 10 minutes, you'll, you know, that the radio station gets credit for your listening. Oh, so, I didn't know that's how it works. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the music environment. But that's right. passive listening. Yeah, that's a really weird system. Yes. Arbitron claims that passive listening listing only represents about 5% of the total share, but, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah who knows? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean they're, the thing they're, isn't like, they're not the most transparent of companies. No, yeah. that's for sure. That's for sure. I I, yeah, I just wanted your, your take on that, but if they grow the sample, that, that'll be wonderful. Right, well, that's what that's what the industry needs. Well, I didn't talk to you yesterday, so that we did well yesterday? Yeah, we looked great. So you went out a winner. Yeah. Well, no, we've had a we've had a fabulous year. This year has been yeah. really strong. So we'll see. They're talking about fashion. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you look great. A lot, about, a lot about fashion. No, the ratings come out on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Yeah. Sometimes not. It's pretty much Tuesdays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. or Wednesdays. Yeah. Well, Something they, like that. How yeah. often are you rated now? Every it's week. Weekly. Like, yeah, weekly. That seems ridiculous. Right. Yeah. It's, well, if Dad had his way, it would be every hour. No. So. Yeah, Which is how it was back, back in those old days. Yeah, you know, we had our own was. call out. So we would, uh, you know, Tom and I would be uh, at the station late at night at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, I believe. We were done with the uh, the sampling. So we'd go, okay, how many listeners do we have tonight? And, you know, we'd track it on a day-to-day basis. And and that oh, actually, our sample size was larger. So we probably were more accurate than oh, absolutely. in those days. Absolutely. But, and I do remember the first couple of years, we were still living in Maple Grove then. And... I almost had a nervous breakdown that year because it just kept growing and was, growing yeah. and growing. It was like it was terrifying. Right. And and, really and you was. had you had this this the people, the masses out there loved you, loved the show. Yeah, man. And then there was the establishment out there that was going, This is going to ruin us. We hate you. Yes. Yeah, so I mean the this uh and that's what made it so, so compelling, you know. And every every day was an adventure. Uh, since nineteen, uh, since April seventeenth, nineteen eighty six. Anytime you see any publication <laughs> in Minnesota Sorry. that's about me, it begins with whether you love them or hate yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Always starts with that line. It's like God. You know, there was one occasion though, and you really ought to talk about it because through this whole period, in my view, uh, the most important time was when. We had a uh, an intruder from out of town that was sweeping the country. Yeah, it was absolutely may I say an intruder. Sure, yeah, sure. It, was, it was Howard Stern. And Billy yeah, West we've talked about Friday. that. Oh, we, oh, cool. You know Billy West? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going to be out on Friday. Yeah, and he loves. He, very was he talented. on during those years when? No, no. He had, he had I left Stern so. in yeah. 1995. But yeah. Stern, until that, <clears throat> until he came to Minneapolis, had won in every single market in America. Right. He walked into Los Angeles and beat Mark and Brian, who were the established morning show. I mean, so. And you had people in this market right. who said, oh, yeah, well, it's going to happen here now. It's about time. Like our own general manager said to me. Yeah. <laughs> he said, you know, eventually he's going to beat you. I'm Did like, you're really? my general right. manager. Thank asshole. you. And, and we Thanks knew the that this wouldn't happen. I mean, we. You knew. Well, I knew. I and knew. you knew, too. Yeah, I didn't we know. Knew. We, well, well, you guys handled it great. Yes. I was That's exactly. To, yeah. I was talking to Scott Jamison, who's taking Dave's spot uh, in a couple of weeks, about that. And I said, the genius of that whole thing was I walked into Dave's office and Dave said, just don't talk about him. I'll never forget. He said, because I'm not the kind of person to not talk no, about someone. You, you, you came close <laughs> in the early days. Yes, yes exactly. 
But Dave said, no, don't bring up his name. Don't respond to him. He's going to say horrible things about your family, but don't respond Which to he it. did. Thank yes. you. Just, mm-hmm. just ignore him. And that was the genius of that period because it, 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 we crushed him. Crushed him. He had, there was one month where he got within two to one. That's as close as yeah. he got. One he month. Got but it. otherwise, yeah. it was four to five to one ratios. And they, they yep. had billboards all over town. They had tons of media attention. Oh, it was God. on a full signal. I mean, this was not this was not a fly-by-night attempt to, to knock us off. So Yeah, there was no acknowledgement whatsoever. I had cousins all. from other parts of the country, too, calling up and going, yeah, they're playing your bits and going, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> listen to these idiots. I know. I mean, Stern spent a lot of time talking about the show. Yes. Yeah, they savaged everybody. But but we cranked it up. I mean, we had protests. We had Flogapalooza. We had, I mean, we outstern Stern in many ways without the, yeah, without the childish shit. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was edgier. It was more provocative. Uh, and uh, you know he was unable to get a foothold here. Right. Yeah. It was that was something else. It, it just you know well, I, I and, lost lifelong friends because of that. Yeah. Really? I mean, look, guys over at Golden Valley. I mean, honest to God. Yeah. I won't mention any names, but I had friends at Golden Valley con- uh, Golf Club that said, "Well, you know, you had a nice run." And yeah. I'm like. What are you talking about? Well, Stern beats everybody, so he's going to beat you. Yeah, and that was... And it ruined our friendship. Yeah, and that was the beginning of the end for Stern on Terrestrial Radio. I mean, at that right, point, was, on, yes. that, that cost him a lot of money, a lot of affiliates. And, right. uh, you know, I mean, from that point on, he realized that... Uh, well, it couldn't have been good yeah. for him to be constantly talking about... I mean, you know, the coast, let's face it. They yeah. think that Minneapolis is, you know, we have igloos and seals in our yeah. yard. And, um, you know, for him to spend so much time talking about... yes. This little oh, this radio was a, station. This was a and big deal. And then he didn't deal. win. Yeah. It was a big deal for him. And he had Andy Bloom. They sent the Howard Andy Stern Bloom. program That's director, right. who happens to be a native right. of Minnesota. Of Minnesota. And, of course, Andy is, you know, he's in, the, in the, the newspaper saying it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, and, you know, shooting his mouth off. And, of course, uh, that was uh, that was fun, too. It was fun to have Andy Bloom as a competitor. <laughs> uh, by the way, here's a guy. Was how old at the time? Andy? Yeah. Well, the Stern era? Thirty, late thirties, forty years old. Forty years old. Yeah. Used to wear a cape and walk with a cane. Oh yeah. What was it? This? No, that was, was the phantom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the the cape and the cane was at Pollock Fest, nineteen eighty six. Cape and the cane. Yeah. God. Oh yeah. So yeah, so he's forty one. Yeah, so that yeah, that time he's yeah, he's probably thirty two. Oh yeah. Jesus, <laughs> Peter Ustinov. Yes, that was the look. That was the look he was going for. Peter Ustinov. There are some pretentious idiots in the radio business. Oh, oh well, there's no question about yeah. that. There's no doubt about that. So yeah, so he came and went. I don't know. It's just a situation where last night I had dinner downtown, and I came out of the restaurant, and there was this young black man standing there. He goes, Mr. Bernard? I said, yeah. And the friend who was with me said, God, I thought it was going to be a, a, a Mark David chap. And oh, nice. oh. I said, yeah, what a racist prick you are. <laughs> but it was this guy that, uh, that, that's that been listening. His name is Twan Fields, or Twan Fields Sewell, he goes by as well. Sewell. I saw you tweet about him. Yeah. Yeah. 
nicest guy. I'd never met him. Mm-hmm. He, I don't know how he. Well, I've been on Channel Four a couple of times recently, so that probably yeah. is why he. Yeah, knew what you've I come out like. of hiding lately. It's not difficult to find what you look like online anymore. Oh, it's not. No, just Google Tom Bernard. You're right there. Except for there is be. some strange pictures. Well, there is like Marlon Brando all over the place. Yeah, because, there are some strange yeah. pictures that are not you, accepting oh, the guy, awards and stuff, and it's not you. About, I don't know who that is. Oh, that's Tom Bernard, the Ang, Ang Lee's. Uh, Executive producer. The producer. His name is Tom Bernard. And oh. there's the Popcorn King, too. <laughs> and the yes, the King. Popcorn King. <laughs> he might be dead. What Dave's talking about there is, I went out to the, uh, I don't know, it was the Carver County Fair or whatever right. it was. And they had a big sign that said Tom Bernard appearing at the Carver right. County Fair. <laughs> and when, when I showed up, the people went, you're not the Popcorn King. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he was huge out that way. He was. Yeah. He was absolutely huge. <laughs> make another snow pun right now but i'm just a little too depressed about the whole thing to joke on the best of the tom bernard podcast brought to you by bradshaw and bryant great clips this week from chad daniels mark mcclish and dave hamilton thanks for listening everybody and we will see you next week so many